From West Philadelphia, born and raised, it's the IGN Digigods. So please welcome two men who are chilling out, maxing, relaxing, all cool, Wade Major and Mark Kaiser. Oh, thank you. What a cool, what a, what a really wonderful and very telling intro. From whom, Corey? That was written by Owen Craig, who I think might have been the guys on the playground who were giving uh, the Fresh Prince a hard time. <laughs> oh, thank you, Corey. Uh, Mark, what am I eating here? The same thing I'm eating. Uh, it's, uh, I can't see you because I have a pile of uh, kid vid uh, between us. Hello? Oh, there on, you are. On Wednesdays at yes. my office is a farmer's market. Uh-huh. And they sell, this is hummus guy. Mm-hmm. And he sells garlic chipotle spread. Mm. It's not hummus. It's garlic, chipotle, uh, probably, I don't know what's in it, crack, meatloaf. <laughs> I don't know what's in it. It's good. Tell me it's not good. It's good. So how are we going to do, good. how, how are we going to continue doing the show if we're eating? I don't know. I'm going to stop eating. Okay. I'm going to stop eating. Okay, so we didn't get the listener mail last week, but there's some, there's some very interesting listener mail that we do need to discuss. And you can tell it's serious because we're eating. And um, had two interesting emails from uh, Peter Cazores. By the way, send us your emails and your box boxes. Gods at digigods.com. We need them. We want to hear your voices. We want to uh, hear what you have to say. Gods at digigods.com. Box boxes, any audio format. <laughs> Emails obviously only have one. Nope, stop. Aww. Emails only one format. And uh, visit the Facebook page. Become a member and join the conversation. A lot of interesting stuff there. I post nude photos of Mark on a regular basis. So We want well, to gain listeners, not lose them. So Peter Kazoris, who always has interesting thoughts, um, wrote us about episode 373 back in April. And um, he, wanted to, he, he did some research because we were talking about Doctor Who being a TV property and never really becoming a film franchise. And he did a little really, some really interesting research. And he said that um, Fox intended to make a TV film as a backdoor pilot for a new American-produced series that was not a reimagining or a reboot, but rather a continuation of the original narrative. And then in the days leading up to the show's 50th anniversary uh, in November 2013... Um, the, Paul McGann reprised his role as the eighth Doctor from the 1996 television film in a mini episode that was made available online on subsequently home media releases. However, BBC has been toying with the idea of theatrical presentations. On November 23rd, 2013, the 50th anniversary special was broadcast simultaneously in 94 countries and shown concurrently in 3D in some theaters. Isn't that bizarre? Uh, yes. I just think that's fascinating. I had no idea. And, and you know, so they, I always thought they just sort of were resigned to Doctor Who being a small screen thing, but they really tried to push it, I guess, a little bit. You guys are the Doctor Who people. I, I got nothing to do with this conversation. And um, then, and well, anyway, he finally asks, he says, what are your thoughts on television properties moving on to the movie screen so they can, uh, and can you speak about other examples of this happening in the past? Other shows like HBO, Sex and the City. And Entourage have or will been in theaters. They'll both both finish their respective runs. And I got to think. Well, there's there's different. There are different things going on here. There are shows like Star Trek where they have their run, and then they move to the big screen. Uh, there are shows like The X Files or Twin Peaks where you have a movie that becomes kind of like an episodic extension of the show. Uh, and. Um, the only one that I can think of that that he was talking to, where you actually have something from television that then is released as a feature film, was Battlestar Galactica. The pilot for Battlestar Galactica was then edited and released in theaters as Battlestar Galactica, the movie with censor around. Um, so, I mean, there are a lot of uh, and and they did this a few times in the fifties and sixties too. You know, like the Batman TV show, they came back with a movie. You know, with Eartha Kitt playing uh, Cat. Woman and a few other things like that. So in that crazy helicopter. So um, yeah, there is a history to it. It's a it's an interesting subject. We should we should research sometime. And then Peter also says, um, talking about the uh, he said Mark was a little bit incorrect when speaking about the details of the relationship between Michael Sheen and Kate Beckinsale. What you were a little on Underworld. He says their relationship ended after filming, but while on set, she and the film's director, Len Wiseman, who was married at the time, began a relationship. According to a link from their respective Wikipedia articles, 
quote, all parties aside from Wiseman's first wife have maintained that there was no infidelity. Wiseman later married Beckinsale a year later after canceling several wedding dates because the director was still legally married to his first wife. Uh, Both remained friends with Sheen, who shares a child with Beckinsale, though she has admitted she was embarrassed that Sheen never proposed during their eight-year relationship, but she felt as though she were married. If you keep a library book out long enough, you feel it's yours. Isn't that interesting? Yes, that I... I, Just a bit of minor correction there for you. I want my spouse compared to a library book. Then again, I'd like a spouse, any spouse. Really, I can arrange that. An arranged marriage. I really could, because I know this... um, I know this. This I know a woman who would really like to get a green card. If you know what I mean. Do you really? No, you don't. I could probably find one. I'm sure pretty easily. Does, does she look like Andy McDowell? Oh. And and do I look like Gerard? Now, which which Gerard Depardieu would I look like? Actually, she probably looks more like Gerard Depardieu. Oh, well, in that case, forget that. Because okay. by the way, Gerard Depardieu, who was uh, handsome enough in the, in his day, is now a gigantic, fat, slovenly guy who can't even tuck in a shirt anymore. Very true. All right, Mark. Yes. Timey, oh. I'm going to um, give me a, give me give me give me seven minutes to get through all the uh, all the kid vid for you eight okay three two one go uh, okay so my daughter's getting older she's she's in Have the two pig. she's in the terrible twos now we're we're starting to experience all kinds of new things so I'm getting exposed to a lot of this stuff more than I ever wanted to uh, it's beautiful day in the neighborhood Daniel Tiger's neighborhood from PBS Kids good show. Uh, ironically, she doesn't like it as much as I do, which is a little bit scary. So at some point, I'm sure she'll uh, she'll experience the joys of Daniel Tiger. Uh, we have also not been able to get her excited about Looney Tunes, but I'll tell you, Looney Tunes musical masterpieces on uh, DVD, 18 shorts that are all musically oriented. You know, I, I prefer this stuff on the more complete Blu-ray sets, but there's some wonderful stuff here. Rabbit of Seville, obviously, and What's Opera Doc are the ones that, that are just legendary. But you also, you know, everything, Holiday for Shoestrings, uh, high Note, Catnip co- uh, College, Pigs in a Polka, uh, Rhapsody and Rivets. Uh, there's a lot of Pizzicato, Pussycat. There's a lot of fun stuff here. So a lot of great Looney Tunes, all music-oriented stuff. Um, strawberry Shortcake. Oddly, oddly enough, my daughter just doesn't get this either. Uh, this is Barry Best in Show uh, on a, a nice little pink keep case uh, for uh, Strawberry Shortcake. Um, so, you know, I don't know. It, I don't really get this either, but there it is. The uh, uh, Saban's Beetleborgs uh, Metallics, M-E-T-A-L-L-I-X. This is Season 2, Volume 2 of yet another Saban attempt to do something uh, very Power Rangers-oriented. This thing is is kind of... It's not... It's worse than Power Rangers. It's more juvenile, and uh, it's... It's it's silly. It's really, really silly. It's very kid-oriented. It's Power Rangers aimed at even younger kids... I, I don't I don't quite get it. It just feels disoriented and disjointed. Um, Blu-ray and DVD combo set in the uh, Batman Unlimited Animal Instincts original movie, which comes with this weird bat toy. Look at that thing. It's kind of creepy. And I don't know. What, it looks like the uh, it looks like a bat ghost of some it, sort. Well, it's kind of it's like a robotic bat thing or something. Uh, but anyway, this is a... Uh, you know, here's the thing, though. You would think that if Batman has the time to build all these gadgets, he's got to have, like, workmen who do it. Yeah. You can't, like, the Batcave doesn't just happen. He'd probably have thousands of people working on it. He's thing. a staff. A staff. You would think that somebody... Run by Morgan Freeman. Yeah, but you would think... But more people than that, you yeah. got to have, like, plumbers, electricians, and guys who do the digging underground. Beta testers. Yes, you would think that somebody yeah. would give away a secret identity. You'd I'm think. I know. Well, this is a, this is actually a pretty good. Same uh, with Spider Man too. Spider Man is no. You can, you're taking away from my eight it's minutes. The same, by the way, it's the same. I'll, I'll pause it. Okay. It's the same way. By the way, look. Here's the thing with Batman too. Let's face it. Batman. Uh, pause. Batman. If you had like a rifle mm-hmm. with a high powered scope, you can kill Batman. <laughs> He's got nothing going on. What has he got going? You can't kill Superman, right? Talk into the microphone, please. Yeah. We do it. Did we do this last week? Mm-hmm. You, you can't kill suit. You can't kill Superman. Mm. Batman, high powered rifle, top mm. of the building. He's out, gone, done. Okay, thanks. No, no one ever thinks of these things except me. Okay, okay. Good for you. Good. Am I back on? Uh, yes. Okay. So anyway, Batman Unlimited, Animal Instincts, original movie, not bad. Pretty well, pretty well done. You, the usual DC animation. Uh, but uh, some good stuff in here, including uh, uh, Man Bat shows up in here, who I always loved. Nightwing. Of course, is you know the former Robin, uh, Green Arrow, Flash. It's a it's a nice tie-in. 
from PBS Kids again is uh, Reading Rainbow, four classic episodes with LeVar Burton, who's trying to get this thing resurrected. Um, and he should. This is great stuff. My daughter's not quite old enough for this stuff yet, but this one will have a treasured spot once she starts getting into her reading. Peg plus cat. Peg rocks. I cannot tell you. This is also PBS Kids. I cannot tell you how much I am suddenly in love with this show. Um, it's, it's very math-oriented. It teaches you math very nicely. But the whole idea of Peg plus cat, I'm totally into it now. I wasn't before. Have you ever watched Peg plus cat? Dude, Mark, you got to watch this. Why, the, why all, the, all, the animation, all the animation takes place against what looks like kind of graph paper background. Uh-huh. And the voice for cat mm-hmm. is just some guy going, cat. Mm-hmm. That's it. It's, 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 hey, Peg plus cat. Peg mm-hmm. plus, hi, hi, how are you doing? It's just, that's a guy doing that voice. Mm-hmm. Any guy can do that voice. It is funny as hell. You have no idea. Mm-hmm. It's great. You're Peg right. I have no idea. No. Uh, Dinosaur Train. Explore Outdoors. Uh, this thing comes on right after Sesame Street, so we watch it constantly. There are eight adventures here. Some of them I've seen many, many times. Butterflies and Cloudy with a Chance of Fun and One Big Frog over and freaking over again. Um, this is from the Henson People. has nice little interludes where you learn about dinosaurs. I, I'm, I'm on. Unfortunately, I never thought I'd be into Dinosaur Train, but I am hooked. Elmo the Musical, Volume 2, Learn and Imagine. If you watch Sesame Street as much as I do, you know that Elmo has a segment where it's Elmo doing musicals. And uh, the three three here are Chef Explorer, Detective Elmo, and Mount Biggest Everest. They are all hilarious. This includes the uh, bonus full-length video of Play With Me, Sesame, Imagine With Me. Um, You know, Elmo the Musical is probably the best Elmo segment. Elmo's world is not nearly as entertaining. From Scholastic, The Magic School Bus Season 2. This thing just keeps on trucking. It's really, really uh, very smartly put together. Two discs. A lot of good stuff here. Very educational. Really good for the kids. Not so educational. Transformers Rescue Bots. Return of the Heroes. Uh, Once you've seen the Transformers movies, as bad as they are, somehow the animation just feels really hackneyed. But for little kids who might not be into the intensity... Of the movies, the uh, Michael Bay movies, I guess this probably fits the bill. Uh, the Adventures of Chuck and Friends, Day at the Races, all of these knockoff things from cars, you know, the trucks with faces and speed buggy attitudes. Doesn't really work for me. I'm a guy, but this is probably more for little boys. Team Umazumi is kind of creepy. I uh, never really understood what this is all about. This is on Nickelodeon and Nickelodeon Junior. Uh, there are four episodes here. Um, we've tried to watch this. Doesn't 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 make the little girl's motor hum. Uh, Baby Genius, favorite songs, uh, musical fun for your little one. This is um, skews even younger than my daughter, so we like missed this one. That uh, that one we completely skipped. Uh, the children's classics collection from Paramount and CBS includes animated versions of Strawberry Shortcake, not to be confused with the actual Strawberry the Shortcake, uh, Strawberry Shortcake uh, animated uh, series. Or an actual Strawberry Shortcake. Peter and the Magic Egg, Dorothy in the Land of Oz, and Puff the Magic Dragon. Uh, all of it done very, very nicely, very sweetly, uh, but, it, but you know, not, uh, this isn't like classic animation or anything. We've got some more Scooby-Doo, more recent Scooby-Doo. This is 13 Spooky Tales, Surf's Up Scooby-Doo, just not as interesting anymore in this day and age. These 13 new Scooby-Doo episodes just really pale uh, alongside the original ones. But, uh, you know, if you just just want to keep watching Scooby and Shaggy do what they do, by all means, Mia and Me Discover Centopia uh, is a CGI animated show about fairies that I was completely unaware of. My daughter uh, doesn't really understand why... She, she thinks flies are things that we squash. So she sees women flying around with wings. She wants to... Smack them. And, I, and I'm okay with that. Uh, my Little Pony Tales. This is the original TV series. That uh, Another one of the My Little Pony uh, Tales. This is not Friendship is Magic. This is another one of the earlier ones. Very, very 80s. Uh, even though it's from the early 90s, it's got a real 80s vibe. Like one of them has a headband and the whole thing. 26 episodes. That's for nostalgia purpose. That's not for little girls. That's for like women in their 30, mid-30s. Uh, Nickelodeon's Let's Learn, S-T-E-M, stands for Science, Tech, Engineering, and Math. This is a mix of episodes from things. This is one of their little potpourri deals, Blue's Clues, Dora, Timu Mizumi, Bubble Guppies. Basically, the idea here is you watch these and you figure out what Nickelodeon characters you like, what shows you like, and you jump on in, and then that's the one you buy in the future. Uh, Wally Kazam. Oh, 
right at the end. Keep going, Wade. All right, this is a few more. Uh, Wally Kazam is another Nickelodeon uh, property. Very kind of uh, look. The characters all look like Stitch from uh, from um, from Lilo and Stitch. Lilo and Stitch. I like that movie. Uh, kind of a kind of a gentler uh, Shrek vibe. Um, I'm not sure. I really. Uh, it's. I don't really get it. Teen Titans Go, which we've never been a fan of, but this is the complete first season on Blu-ray. Finally, so all those. Uh, all those really extreme DC heroes as in junior form, Robin, Cyborg, Raven, Starfire, and Beast Boy. Uh, you get that on Blu-ray now, as if you needed it necessarily on higher res. Scooby-Doo, again, Moon Monster Madness. Uh, Scooby and Shaggy and spacesuits. I don't know who comes up with this stuff. Uh, more Power Rangers, Lost Galaxy, the complete series. I don't even remember this Power Rangers series. That's how many there have been. It's just getting way out of hand. Uh, Pound Puppies, Puppy Love. Uh, there are uh, five episodes here from a series that is... Uh, this is from Shout Kids. This is another Hasbro series. It's it's okay. It's This one skews younger as well. The dogs are cute. The voice, the voice work is okay. Uh, and then we have... Uh, this is a really interesting animated film. This is... I'm going to hold that for last, actually. I'm going to hold that one for last and get through these other two. Julius Jr., who, is, uh, who creeps me out. I prefer... Uh, Curious George as far as animated monkeys go because Julius Jr. just has, I don't know, looks a little too psychotropic, the animation here. But uh, Pirates and Superheroes tries to take advantage of everything that's popular right now in uh, blockbuster movie culture. Uh, Julius skews, again, very young. This is an hour long, and you'll be lucky if your toddler keeps attention for that long. And then Chuggington, Turbocharged Chugger. uh, We're starting to get into the train shows, my daughter and I. And Thomas is the one that we really enjoy because it's very engine. Yeah, it's very and it's very British and it's very you know the the theme song is sweet. Um, Chuggington, not quite so into it, and especially because these are now like bullet trains. So uh, this one doesn't really. I I don't know. This I'm starting to understand that Chuggington is strictly second second fiddle to uh, Thomas. Thomas is just more. Thomas is the better train. But is now is Peppa Pig a train? No, Peppa's a pig. Okay. And then this one, this is a really, really cool animated film uh, from France called Wolfie, The Incredible Secret. And the French have a a long history of really great animation, as anyone knows who's seen Triplets of Belleville or any number of other French animated uh, shows. And this is really, really cool. Uh, This is about a wolf and a rabbit. And uh, who are best friends since childhood, and it is uh, you get into this really, really interesting um, adventure involving the animal kingdom, and it challenges their friendship, and it gets into the difference between carnivores and herbivores, and uh, it's it's a it's a fascinating animated. A dissection of human politics projected onto the animal world. It's sort of like I don't want to say it's, it's it's certainly not in the same league as Animal Farm, but it tries to do similar things, and uh, it does so with really smart animation and some very clever writing. And that is Wolfie: The Incredible Secret, uh, which I would say is good for small children and adults uh, alike. It's definitely worth checking out. That's from Cinedime, and I wish it were on Blu-ray. It's only on DVD. So look away, rocked it. Totally Yo. rocked it. Totally rocked it. Fantastic. All right. Wait, the complete series of The Nanny. Now, The Nanny was that Fran Drescher oh uh, sitcom, and it was a thing. It was definitely a thing. <laughs> <laughs> she and Maria Menounos both have the same laugh. The best thing Fran Drescher ever did was Saturday Night Fever. She was hot back then. She, but she's just in it for a moment, but... You know, she just has that one line, are you as good in bed as you are on the dance floor? That's, who doesn't remember that line? Now, t- say, say floor again. Floor? Yeah, never mind. All right, so uh, we have the nanny, and this thing ran in the uh, was this, uh, 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 mid to late 90s. Uh, Fran Drescher played a, um, you know, a nanny. A nanny. <laughs> I, mean, I don't know how else to put it. This film really just lives and dies on Fran Drescher. If you love her, you love the show. If you don't love her, which I didn't, then I didn't really love the show. This comes in uh, three uh, DVDs from Shout Factory and a bonus disc. So, again, if you're a nanny completist, this is pretty much the last word you'll ever get on the nanny. 
146 episodes, first it time ran on for TV. that long. Huh? It ran almost as long as Walker, Texas Ranger. Uh, from 93 to 99. Jeez. Unbelievable. So there you go. So that's the nanny. I, I don't, don't get it. I guess maybe your mother might. You know, your mother might like this. Yeah, whatever. It's too late for Mother's Day, though. True. But really, do you want to give Fran Drescher to your mom? Is that the is that Well, the you wouldn't be giving of... the actual Fran Drescher to your mother. You'd be giving the show. Okay. I, I'm not sure I'm I not, understand. No, you know, Norman knows Fran Drescher. Who I, does? Norman. Oh, does he? I think no. I think Fran Fran lived on P, Fran lived or used to live or does live now in PCH. Oh, really? Like a few, like, I guess a few doors down from where oh, Norman's well. beach house was. Well, there you go. Isn't I that don't special? know why that's important, but I just thought I'd say that. Another complete series, The Saint is back. Uh, all of those old things that were released from uh, A and E, all the British, t- uh, all the British ITV stuff. Most of it we've been talking about lately have been the Jerry Anderson things, all these super marionation stuff, Space 1999, Plane. and you know uh, all the uh, XL5 and all that stuff, Thunderbirds. That's uh, it's all with Timeless now. The the it's all being released through re-released through Timeless. So if you had the complete Saint before, if you'd collected all those individual seasons that took up huge space on your shelf, uh, you're going to be bummed because the everything looks better now on this new complete set, which is pretty slimline. It's got uh, everything in uh, all six seasons packed into four relatively large, but not too large, keep cases inside inside of a, uh, a slipcover. Uh, so this is very this is a nice kind of like a single Adobe brick sized uh, complete series for the Saint. Uh, the Leslie Charteris character originally portrayed by Roger Moore, first in black and white half-hour episodes, later in color hour-long episodes. And uh, this led directly to him being cast as James Bond. And uh, it's a, you know the, everything about The Saint is just cool. I love this show. I love the half-hour episodes. I love the hour-long episodes. Loved it in black and white. Loved it in color. You get uh, audio commentary on certain episodes, and uh, it's always interesting. And uh, you know some of some of them are producers and some of them are guest stars. It's it's all you know behind the scenes and, and actor commentaries and it's always somebody different and it's always interesting. Great guest stars, incredible photography, wonderful European locations, and just a super smart show. It's um, great. I mean, Honor Blackman shows up here. Uh, you get people like Oliver Reed even shows up here. Julie Christie. It's just it's a it's a really wonderful show, and uh, I I just you know there's not a bad episode in the lot. Better than Mission Impossible for that kind of a show from that era. What? Yep, absolutely. Well, uh, the Saint was cooler. <laughs> okay, don't don't please don't do that. Wade, the History Channel uh, aired a miniseries uh, earlier this year called uh, Sons of Liberty. Yeah, and this thing was uh, did pretty well, especially the finale did pretty well. But uh, I, I just, didn't care for the no. I didn't care for the casting so much, but it was no. it, it was well done. No. It was okay. I mean, it's well done. But the thing is that it it, it takes like an action angle yeah. on how Adams and Revere and Hancock and you know plan the American it turns, Revolution. It turns it basically turns the founders. It turns the the founders who were largely intellectual guys. It kind of turns them into the Avengers. It really it's just you know what I, I, what I, I kept thinking that I was watching this thinking this is what the revolution would be like if the CW planned it right? <laughs> you know a bunch of super handsome guys running around being all action oriented and it's just uh, I, I just think the History Channel could do could have done a little better than this but yeah. look it did it did well for them you know the Blu-ray uh, includes 30 minutes of never before seen material which is fine I guess whatever um, yeah, the casting is a little... It's just, you know, all sorts of glowering, handsome guys. Even it's just... I just wasn't into it. I mean, it's, it's especially disappointing from the uh, from the standpoint of being a History Channel, ladies and gentlemen, production. But if you like it, and maybe... It, it, look, it might be a gateway to um, learning more about the American Revolution, which, of course, is never a bad thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, anyway, also on Blu-ray, we have um, Ray Donovan Season 2. This is one of those shows that's like... It's not really eating up the zeitgeist, but enough people like it to kind of keep it going. Um, it's on Showtime. It's a crime drama, and it's with uh, Liv Schreiber and uh, Eddie Marson. We all love Eddie Marson. Stephen Bauer's in it, too. John Voice shows up, too. So, um, yeah, it takes place in L.A., and uh, this guy, Ray Donovan, he's a fixer. He arranges for bribes or payoffs and so that you know corrupt uh, police or government people can get away with their nasty crimes. This is season two. Um, it's just really more the same. You learn a little bit more about Ray's wife. And, uh, and his son, you know, again, I think this Liv Schreiber is a very intense. I've seen him on Broadway. He's a very intense actor. He's great. He really makes the show. I love John Voight, too. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's, it's kind of a culty thing. But if you groove to it, uh, you'll like Ray Donovan. I like I, what I've seen of the show. I've liked. 
Uh, you know, it's, uh, it doesn't – it feels it, – it just – there's an authenticity to it that rings true uh, from the Hollywood perspective. So I, I, what I've seen, I've liked. I have something authentic, Wade. Oh, don't go there. In my pants. Don't go there. Uh, here's where I'm going. Back to the 70s. Yeah. For the complete third season of Welcome Back, Cotter. Oh, oh, oh. Oh, oh. 27 episodes of Cheeseball, Travolta, Scientology goodness. <laughs> Gabe Kaplan at his most mustachiest. With, and yet he's not playing poker in this. He's not playing poker. That's amazing. Yeah. He, you know, what, you know what's amazing when you think about it? How really all these shows were like run by Jews. Like what? Like Gabe Kaplan? Yeah. The coolest teacher? Yeah. Jew. Yeah. The Fonz? Yeah. Jew? Yeah. They're all Jews. I know. I'm just saying. CPO Sharky? Jew? Yeah. <laughs> Half of the Mission Impossible crew? Mark Landau? <laughs> Jew. Yeah. I'm telling you, man. Jews rule. Jews are the coolest. Who, who knew? Yeah. Anyway. All right. This is season three. By The, 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 the show is hitting its stride now, and then it'll start to slip a little bit. Um, but still, it's, it's, it's just a lot of fun. You know, the principal is in this, and Travolta's in this, and uh, Horshack's in this, and it's just it's great. I just really love this show. The If you're a fan of the uh, Hallmark Channel When Calls the Heart stuff from the novel by uh, Jeanette Oakey, uh, Michael Landon Jr. has been milking that topic, that whole world, for a number of these things and uh it's more of the same it's a little bit schmaltzy for my taste uh but it it's uh, you know it's polished and it's gentle around the edges and sweet and romantic it's gentle and to the stomach yes it's gentle to the stomach so uh this one is when calls the heart trials of the heart uh decent you know Jack Wagner and Lori Laughlin are, are are lovely in this Aaron Krakow Daniel Lissing it's a decent cast and you know it doesn't really do anything that the other ones haven't done already so it's just it's more for that it's more of the same for that audience and then last on television is season 5 of Hill Street Blues uh going through the, you can still get the complete series but uh you are at this point if you want to get the individual seasons you can do that as well uh fifth season 23 episodes, really, really good season. Really, really good season. Uh, this is this is right when the show was in its prime. It was raking in Emmys every single year. And uh, the this is one of the uh, one of the more challenging seasons as far as changes in the characters' lives. I won't get into any specifics, but a number of characters have huge quantum shifts in their characters at this point. Clearly, after five seasons, a show usually gets uh, a little bit of... Uh, a little bit of fatigue around the edges. Audiences want to see things change. They've gotten to know the characters. They want to know that their lives are more interesting than their own. So that's when the writers mixed it up. And the fifth season is one of those kind of pivotal seasons. It does a, does a really good job. And then we have an interesting quartet of films from Arrow. Uh, the Arrow Library is releasing a lot of really interesting kind of culty exploitation filmy stuff. Really odd library stuff that they're that they're they're uh, they're getting hold of, and this is all being uh, distributed by MVD Visual, formerly Music Video Distributors. Uh, Valerian Borachik is a guy who who's made uh, you know he's he's associated with some very strange and extreme films over the course of his career, and uh, this is one of them. This is the strange case of Doctor Jekyll and Miss Osborne. Right? You know that story, right? Oh, yeah, you kidding me? Yeah. Well, what makes this great is, you know who plays uh, Dr. Jekyll? Uh, Jeff Goldblum. Udo Kier. Well, he makes everything cool. <laughs> he does. We love Udo. Uh, I will not tell my story of interviewing Udo with the, with the cat. Uh, I will not tell that story again. But honestly, why, why Udo never became a Bond villain, I just don't know. He, he's, instead we have... Um, he's born for it. Instead we have... What's his name in the new I, one? I know. Christoph Waltz. It's like... Gosh. Udo should have been that guy. Anyway. Uh, the uh, Anyway, the idea here is is that you, uh, you're you having... You know, Udo, Dr. Jekyll is, in, is uh, engaged. Marino Piero plays uh, Fanny Osborne, his, uh, his uh, uh, fiancé. And um, it, it takes a really unusual twist on the whole Dr. Jekyll thing by introducing uh, this woman, Miss Osborne. And um, it's a, it is a, it's sort of the same story, but it's not. So uh, if you know any of, any of Borchik's other films, um, like Tales of the Beast, 
which is just it's completely insane, you will know that this is uh, it, it. It does it gets faith. It's faithful up to a point, and then it just takes a crazy ninety degree detour. Lots of extras on here, heaps and gobs of extras. Uh, audio commentary is really really good. This is has an archival interview with uh, Borachik himself. New interviews with a lot of the collaborators. And uh, a short film by Borachik called Happy Toy from 1979, uh, various featurettes and, and tons of other stuff. This is a, a packed Blu-ray, an absolutely jam-packed Blu-ray DVD combo set. Another interesting DVD com- uh, Blu-ray DVD combo set is uh, Retaliation from Japanese cult filmmaker Yasuharu Hasebe. Uh, this one is a little bit less interesting. There are only 3,000 copies of this Blu-ray, this DVD Blu-ray uh, combo set, which are out there. So it's a really limited edition. It'll probably go quickly. Um, but uh, as far as you know, violent um, 1960s era Japanese cult gangster movies go. It really doesn't get any more interesting than this. Uh, this basically is the um, this is like sort of the beginning of the of, an, of a whole era of uh, of yakuza films that just go completely unhinged. Well, I would say the Suzuki stuff. The Suzuki uh, stuff is the coolest. The Suzuki and the it's Fukusaku. A little, it's a little. It's this a little is, earlier. He is kind of between Suzuki and Fukusaku. He takes Suzuki and he makes it more violent, but also more kitschy and more kind of culty and groovy. It's a, it's, a, it's a cool film, but certainly for acquired tastes. Uh, and then we have Island of Death from Nico Mastarakis, another uh, cult uh, filmmaker of the era. This is strictly a Blu-ray, and uh, it all takes place on Mykonos, which is one of those Greek islands which, like our friend Norman used to say, he goes, oh, that's where all the Swedes go and party and get drunk and die of alcohol poisoning. <laughs> I remember Norman told me that. He's like, oh, that's the island where, where, the, where Swedes get drunk and die of alcohol poisoning. Well, I'm going. So it's just funny. It's like Swedes go there to die of alcohol poisoning. Um, anyway, Island of Death is um, – it's not a gore film, but it's, it's certainly a, a, a titillating it, – it, it means to be – it means to be both sexually and use sex and violence in the most gratuitous ways possible. Um, not a fun film to watch. Not something that I particularly enjoy. It's also loaded with uh, with extras. All of it beautifully transferred. But again, it's Nico Mastarakis, Not my not my favorite. And then lastly, a really cool special edition uh, of the uh, of the film Society. Um, there's sort of no conceivable way to actually explain Society, which was made in 1989. Um, this is a um, – Brian – well, Brian Usna. You know, you know who Brian Usna is? Yeah, that's Mr. and Mrs. Usna's kid. That's exactly it. Well, anyway, Brian Usna was a producer on uh, Reanimator, and he produced a lot, of, a lot of schlocky stuff. And this is his directing debut, and it is um, – it's supposed to be a shocking, like a really shocking gore film and, a, and this, this gigantic commentary on quote-unquote society, hence the title. Um, but it's actually, it's not really that shocking. And all of this, this orgiastic, ritualistic, uh, you know, shock effect stuff in it almost winds up being funnier than not. So I don't, I don't know. Apparently, it's, the, the idea that this is a satire is, a, is a, an after-the-fact um, thing, you know, it's a little bit like Showgirls. Oh yeah, we. Uh, it was supposed to be funny. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Now, I don't know that this was supposed to be funny, but anyway, um, it does. It is a. It is an in, for gore film fans and for uh, shock and schlock and uh, cult film fans. Society is an interesting after the fact um, kind of a curio. There's that word that you, you like that word in the trades when they use it. Curio. I like a studio better. See, there's right. Curio and there's Susudio, the Phil right. Collins song. Yeah, I don't cool. know where that came from. Wait, right. I just happened to think of it. Of course. All right, Mark, let's talk about uh, classic movies. Well, Wade, um, we have a Clint Eastwood Super Duper set. Now, this Clint Eastwood Super Duper Blu-ray set is only Universal uh, Clint Eastwood films. Clint, of course, did a lot of films with Warner Brothers, but these are the um, Universal ones. Here we have, in no particular order, because many of them are not very good, Two Mules for Sister Sarah. Pass. Joe Kidd, pass. High Plains Drifter, okay. Coogan's Bluff, okay. The Beguiled, <laughs> Play Misty for me, the first film he directed. That's great. Play Misty's is, still good. Which is great. And The Iger Sanction, which is cool. Yeah. So we have... On, on balance, uh, recommended? Yes. They're all... I mean, if you're a Clint Eastwood completist... I mean, the guy's directed like 40 films. You yeah. know what I mean? It's like... Uh, if you're a Clint completist and you don't... I mean, because some, some of these are, are first time on Blu-ray. 
That's right. And you can't now, get them as singles yet. Yeah. So if you're Clint Completist, you got to get this. That is true. Yeah. So it's really a lot of good stuff. And again, it's on Blu-ray, which is great. There's a couple of bonus features. Um, a look back at the making of Play Missy for me and uh, The Beguiled and some of the other ones. A lot of theatrical trailers are here. So again, Warner, um, Clint did his best films, I think, for Warner Brothers, but the Universal ones are okay too. So uh, if you're, as Wade says, if you're a Clint Eastwood completist, go for it. Otherwise, you know, you're probably better off just renting some of these, some of the better ones, like Play Misty for me or Iger Sanction. Uh, you don't need to see The Beguiled. At least I don't think so. So although some people like that movie. Yeah, it's all right. Uh, a couple of DVDs here, not Blu-rays. Uh, this one is also from Timeless. Timeless, in addition to all their TV stuff, they're doing some interesting. Uh, they're getting some interesting movies. And this is the um, this is an Andre de Toth film. Andre de Toth, another one of those kind of culty guys. Not really an A-list filmmaker, but a good solid B filmmaker. Made Day of the Outlaw, starring Burl Ives, Robert Ryan, and Tina Louise. One of the few things you will actually see Tina Louise in, other than Gilligan's Island. And uh, as a you know what? Um, as kind of a one of it, one of de Toth's frontier uh, pot boilers, this is this is good. It's nicely shot, good black and white photography. And Robert Ryan is always you know he's one of those better second tier tough guys. Like if you can't if you can't get uh, you know Gregory Peck, and if you can't get uh, you know uh, John Wayne or or you know Gary Cooper, sure, sell for Robert Ryan. He's got a he's good and hard boiled and grizzled face, and he'll do the job. And he does. He's perfectly fine. You know, he plays a rancher and, uh, you know, he, he's a perfect rancher. And Burl Ives is freaking Burl Ives. And, uh, you know, it, it does the trick. Uh, this is from the late 50s. So it's sort of right on the cusp of uh, breaking out into the big widescreen uh, Western epics. And it's still just suitably intimate. And uh, you definitely can see why Tina Louise got really upset about being typecast in Gilligan's Island because... Um, she should have had a much bigger and cooler career. Um, we also have a title here uh, called Water is Wet uh, and other films by Gordon Weisborn. These are basically uh, experimental short films, and uh, there's just no conceivable way to explain them. If you are familiar with Gordon Weisborn, uh, you know exactly what you're going to get. Uh, otherwise, there's just no point. These were made between 1969 and 1970. They are all uh, restored rather nicely and uh you know just so we can credit the the Erickson Institute with doing all of that there are a few special features here um including a uh, an unrestored version of the short if i were an animal and uh, some notes as well that sort of give you the uh, all the background on why Gordon Weisborn and his films are inten- are important uh so the films included our water is wet sit down where does my street go and if i were an animal so uh really interesting experimental films from the era of experimental films but strictly for the people who actually know what they're getting into Oh, wait, from 1999 is a film to avoid, uh, even though we always love the folks at uh, Scream Factory, but it's not very good, called Stigmata. Stigmata is... Uh, Man, I hated this movie. Huh? I hated this movie. You know, it, it, at the time, it had been a while since there was like an Exorcist ripoff movie we could all like make fun of, but Stigmata was it, and it's about this, um, this object... And uh, the object is has it was found in a Brazilian village, and it's purchased by an American tourist who winds up giving the this object to her daughter, played by Patricia Arquette, who twenty years later, whatever, fifteen years later, would win an Oscar. And uh, Patricia Arquette winds up with this object, and then she sees spooky visions, and then there's a uh, somebody people run around with the with the wounds of Christ, and it's just really silly. You know, it's just silly stuff. the The effects are it's are, are better than B movie, but not quite A movie material. Um, one of the only notable things about it is, it is that it has a score by Billy Corgan of Smashing Pumpkins. And when you get a sense of this, you get a, you get really get a feeling as to why Billy Corgan did not go into film composing, <laughs> because it's just like just 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 sort of this like sound carpet and not really much else going on. So you get Patricia Arquette with the Wounds of Christ, and you get, um, uh, what's his name, Gabriel Byrne, who of course is always good. Jonathan Price is always, is, always, uh, is always good, I like him. Anyway, not very good, Stigmata, I'd pass on this. Also, we have the cult comedy Wet Hot American Summer, which is off at Spindlewade. I know. They... Spindle. Um, now, this is being re-released because there is a new Netflix sort of sequel to Wet Hot American Summer. Yeah. It's being shot right now. So this is the cult comedy from 10 years ago that includes Janine Garofalo and David Hyde Pierce and Amy Poehler. 
Elizabeth Banks, Paul Rudd, Bradley Cooper, very young Bradley Cooper, and uh, David Wayne directed it, and uh, it's a really good Blu-ray. It's got deleted scenes and you know behind-the-scenes featurettes and a commentary with the cast and the crew, and uh, you know 10th anniversary um, highlight reel. So it's good stuff, and it's it, it's a very it's a cult movie. It's a bit of a throwback to those you know 70s era meatball stripes sort of movies, um, those Bill Murray films. So uh, right down to the uh, key art, which, yeah, which evokes those mm-hmm. movies from the 70s early 80s where where the heads and the boobs and the feet and the hands are bigger than everything else and the bodies are all kind of tiny like <laughs> like your head the heads are the size of beach balls and boobs are the size of you know cars it's weird <laughs> that is true everything is disproportionate so there you go wet hot american summer cold comedy definitely check it out I think you guys might like it it's very like not off it's office space in that cold comedy way are also from Shout Factory, uh, and then I'm going to get into the killer stuff this week from uh, Twilight Time, which we uh, teased last week. Uh, a couple of double features, a couple of the horror, horror-y, culty double features that Scream Factory puts out every once in a while, the subsidiary of Shout Factory. The first one is H.G. Uh, Wells' Empire of the Ants and Jaws of Satan. These are all from the 70s and one from the 80s. The one here from the 80s is Jaws of Satan, uh, Empire of the Ants from 1977. I don't know why that wasn't the most popular film of 1977. I mean, what else was there? I remember that film. You remember that year? I remember Empire of the Ants. There was nothing that came out in 1977. Well, I don't know. I was like one or something. I, I, you know, whatever. 1977 I, was a dead year. I have no idea. There was nothing that came out in 1977. You're about to say Star Wars. Yeah. <laughs> Empire of the Ants. Uh, it, it so loosely based on the H.G. Wells that they, they, I, they almost should have been sued for even using his name. Um, you, you can tell all these movies are just begging for CGI to show up because the way that they cut corners is just horrible. Uh, these are both really, really silly movies and uh, entertaining on some level. You get a commentary for uh, Empire of the Ants with director Burt Gordon, who clearly enjoys the fact that it's a terrible film. Yeah, but Chris, you know, but Chris Pine's father's in that movie. <laughs> who is also, Pine is also in on Chips. Of the Ants. He's also on Chips. And then, uh, f- then you have uh, also from the uh, another H.G. Wells film, The Food of the Gods, uh, which was made in 1976, just the year before, and it's even worse, actually. Uh, you also get a commentary from Gordon, again, who directed it, part of, part of his double. But here's the one, here's the one you really, really want. Forget about, forget about Food of the Gods, which is, is just obnoxious and silly and ridiculous. Um, Frogs is the one you want. That yeah. Is, Frogs is so great from awesome. 1972. It's just, we're just barely out of the 60s, but it's still absolutely sensational. Uh, Joan Van Ark has never been funnier in her entire life. I know she went on to do a lot of television, but man, this is just brilliant. Uh, Ray Milland. Yeah. Look, Frogs is basically frogs. it. Look, it killer frogs. It does frogs. It's about frogs. It's about killer frogs. It doesn't get any better. It's just hilarious and silly and ridiculous and brilliant. Okay, but by the way, I'm, I'm not okay. Frogs was not meant to be silly as silly and ridiculous. Uh, maybe it was. I don't I know. Don't, but I, it's, don't know it's, it I thought it was. I think it's just fantastic and awesome. Um, well, it is fantastic and awesome. I'm just saying. That, so know. we also have an unbelievable set of stuff here uh, for uh, from Twilight Time. Now, the one we we, we teased last week uh, because of Wolf Hall, which deals with. Uh, the which you know primarily relationship between Henry VIII and uh, and his his regent Cromwell, uh, a man for all seasons also deals with that among other things. But the central subject of a man for all seasons is uh, Sir Thomas More, which won uh, Paul Schofield Best Actor at the Academy Awards, and uh, the film also won Best Picture in 1966. This is one of my all time favorite films. I love this film with a passion. I cannot I cannot lay wreaths high enough at the feet of Twilight Time for uh, having the presence of mind to go to the uh, Sony library and mine this thing out from Columbia and say, we're going to put this on Blu-ray because you guys are crazy for not having done it. It's insane that this is not on Blu-ray yet uh, or hasn't been prior to this. So bravo to Twilight Time. The transfer is very good. Probably could do with some work, but obviously, you know, unless somebody ponies up a lot of money, that's not going to happen. So for the time being, the 3,000 limited units uh, that this is getting in release is all you got. So 3,000 very lucky people are going to be the owners of A Man for All Seasons on Blu-ray for what may be possibly forever. Um, magnificent film, story of Sir Thomas More, obviously, and his his refusal to grant King Henry VIII uh, a, a divorce, the whole fiasco that created the Church of England. Um, 
Robert Shaw as Henry VIII is just legendary. Maybe the greatest Henry VIII ever. And directed, of course, by Fred Zinneman, who we talked about uh, last week with his uh, his debut film. Uh, and High was, Noon also? And High Noon and many other things. I mean, this is just such a brilliant film in every way. Uh, I, it, 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 you can watch it over and over. Some of the best dialogue. One of the two lines that I quote the most from any movie ever is in this one. May the other one. Be with you. No, I don't quote that. The way, well, they're both Rob, they're both Robert Bolt screenplays. One is from uh, Doctor Zhivago, and the other line is in this one. Okay, and the, and wait, quote, what are they? No, it's 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 what a, it's not they? it's not like a hip quippy line. It's the one where it says, you know, come on, where where where. Uh, uh, Cromwell basically says to Moore, he says, you know, why won't you come with us for fellowship? And then he's, he says something to the effect of, and I, I have to, you know, refresh it in my head, but it, I'm doing this very quickly, where he says something to the effect of, and when you have gone uh, to one place for being true to your conscience and I have gone to another, will you, you know, when you have gone to meet God for following your conscience and I have gone to hell for following mine, will you then come with me for fellowship? It's a great line. It's like an yeah. incredible line. Robert um, Bolt, he was a hack. Oh. So good. Uh, other great Twilight Time releases this week. All of them with three thousand uh, release with three thousand limited uh, copies. Uh, is Mississippi Burning the film that was almost Best Picture in nineteen eighty nine? Such a tragedy. Um, I love this movie. This should have been Best Picture in nineteen eighty nine, and then people started complaining it was another movie about white guys saving black people. And which, by the way, is not untrue. Which is not entirely untrue. But it's Gene Hackman. But it should have been. It should have been Best Picture. It's better than Rain Man. It's so much better than Rain Man. It was the front runner until they guilted everybody into feeling like voting for this was somehow voting for a film that distorted the civil rights era. And they're wrong. It doesn't. It's a great film. It, uh, it, Alan it, Parker. This is look, back. This is back in Alan's. Uh, this is when Alan was just. A, he, he could was have cranking out movie oh, after movie. Those and great. they were all great. Tell me the lynching sequence in this. With the music, the montage, the yeah. whole thing is one of the most devastating moments you will ever see in any film. It is so soul-tearing. It is just magnificent. Uh, like all the Twilight Time titles, this has an isolated score and an Alan Parker commentary. Thank God. It's wonderful. It just is, a, is such a great film. Do you, know why, why, do you know why baseball is so amazing? Why? Because baseball is the only time that a black man can wave a, wave a bat at a white man and not get arrested. And get paid. That's from the movie. Millions. I know. Yes, I know. I, I think I might have butchered that a little bit, but you that's did. from the movie. It is a good line. And then we also have uh, somewhat lesser titles, but also all worthwhile. Paul Newman in Ombre, uh, which ha- which is you know one of his collaborations with Martin Ritt, and uh, includes a commentary with uh, film historians Lee Pfeiffer and Paul Scrabo. Also an isolated score track. And uh, you know what? It's not the best film that they ever did together. Uh, HUD is probably better. But uh, it is very, very good. And uh, it's beautifully shot. And it's a smart script. And uh, Paul Newman is a stud. Carla's Song is an unusual one for them to release. This is not from uh, a studio library. This is one of their Film 4 titles, which uh, also uh, pop out every so often. This is a Ken Loach film. Originally made in 1996, which feels like yesterday, but it uh, it wasn't. It was almost 20 years ago. And uh, this is one of uh, Ken Loach's more accessible movies. Some of them get a little bit didactic, but uh, this one features Robert Carlyle as a uh, Scottish bus driver who falls in love with a Nicaraguan refugee. And it is, uh, it's beautiful and features some fantastic music by George Fenton and great, great photography by Barry Aykroyd, who's gone on to be quite a sensation. And then lastly, uh, a film that I think Mark is probably more fond of than I am, Michael Corrente's uh, adaptation of the uh, very, very successful stage production of David Mamet's American Buffalo. I find this a little bit stagey. This was a... Uh, but 20- that's him. All but, the stuff is stagey. The, the, the key is finding the actors who can, yeah. who can enliven his dialogue. And in this case, he's, he's, Dennis Franz is very, very good. And Dennis Franz is kind of the linchpin here. He's the guy that holds it together. Dustin Hoffman, surprisingly not as good as you would expect him to be. It feels a little bit miscast. But this also has a great isolated score. Thomas Newman music is fantastic. And uh, the same two audi- – uh, 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 sorry, not the same two. Two different film historians do the commentary here. Uh, Julie Kirgo and Nick Redman, and then there's a uh, theatrical trailer, and that's it for our Twilight Time titles this week. Uh, well, we have a couple from uh, Kino Lorber. We always uh, love the good folks over at uh, Kino Lorber. We have a couple Yul Brenner titles. First is Kings of the Sun. This one is a little bit. Uh, this one is not as good as the other one. I don't think this is um, Yul Brenner and George Chakiris. 
As Love a, George Shakiris. He's cool. Never has a Greek man done a better job of playing a Puerto Rican than he did in West Side Story. I'm just saying. Anyway, it's about these. <laughs> you're out of your mind. Anyway, uh, Brenner and Shakiris play the uh, rivals in this Mayan uh, tribes. They have to come together to of kind course. of face a mutual threat. Happens all the time. <laughs> it's, a, it's a real problem. Exactly. Every Tuesday for me. So, yeah, never mind. So, uh, Lee J. Uh, Thompson directed it. A good score by Elmer Bernstein, who would later go on to do The Great Escape. Uh, good wide, widescreen photography. So, generally speaking, I'd probably pass on Kings of the Sun. It's a little bit, uh, it's a little bit, it's too silly for me. I'm not really into it. I'd much rather see Yul Brenner in the much better, at least for my money, invitation to a gunfighter. This takes place in in uh, New Mexico, frontier town in New Mexico, and uh, Yul Brenner is hired by the town's boss to uh, kill a guy. The guy, by the way, played by George Siegel. Yay! Just, he plays a Civil War veteran who uh, comes home to reclaim his uh, farm. So I like this movie a lot. This is great. It also it also gives you an early look at Yul Brenner in in uh, cowboy clothing, which of course he would go on to wear to much greater effect in Westworld. But uh, still, good stuff. Richard Wilson directed it and uh, co-stars Pat Hingle, young Pat Hingle, who you might remember from uh, the original Tim Burton Batman films. And uh, there you go. So Invitation to a Gunfighter, much better than uh, the previous one. Then we have three films that Wade is going to like a lot more than I, than me. Oh, I, yeah. I, yeah. I got to say, in the, in, the early, in the 80s, there were all of these Chuck Norrisy, you know, Michael Dudikoff movies, which is really terrible. Come on, wait, seriously. These movies sucked. They're so awesome. I know. <laughs> Especially now. When you revisit these movies now, no, you just you yeah. just go, I can't believe someone actually spent money on that. They <laughs> paid him a salary? Yeah, well, you spent money on it, too, to buy a ticket. <laughs> I did. I did. All right, well, from 1983, we have uh, Revenge of the Ninja. This is so bad. This the stuff is just best. terrible. Anyway, uh, there you go. There's that. And then from 1989, we have River of Death. River, River of Death with Michael Dudikoff and Robert Vaughn. Donald Pleasant's probably. I was least. there opening day for Revenge of the Ninja. No. I River, was. River of Death. Nobody even remembers what that is. Now, the big one is. I, I, okay, Enter the Ninja's cool because it has Franco Nero. And I'm, who doesn't love their Franco Nero? Because, you know, he's. Uh, Franco Nero is, uh, is you know, Django. Django. Come on, man. He's yeah. the best. This one I like, I have to say, because it has. Franco Nero. So, Engine the Ninja, um, that was from 1981, set in Japan. And uh, there you go. It's a way it, Nero plays this Westerner who's kind of inducted into this secret society, the way they fight. They're, you know, learning the rules of the ninja. And uh, he's got to take those ninja skills and uh, beat up some people. That's what sweet. he does. Sweet. Exactly. So sweet. There you go. Enter the Ninja. All right, and we have a ton from all of this week. Um, actually, three interesting Blu-rays, and then a, and then a, uh, I'm going to talk for just for a moment about this interesting new license that they have over at Olive because um, you, I don't normally put Olive together with Uwe Boll, but hey, you know what? Apparently they did. So uh, Olive has three really really cool uh, releases this week. One I'm not quite so fond of. Um, this is you know it's worth noting just for people who are into this Ski School um, from 1991, kind of one of the last sort of stupid 80s comedies that has found its way over. It's not like not quite Hot Dog the movie from the uh, from the 70s, but it's it's close. You know, I mean, look at the, the artwork. Women why is it why is this like such a thing? Women who ski in bikinis. Yeah. There's your artwork. Anyway, uh this is this has kind of a bit of a following. Uh it's sort of a it's sort of a cult film just because it is one of those dumb comedies. So, uh, you know, if you're one of those people that cares about Ski School, it, it is out. But uh, the other two are pretty fantastic. Uh, these are legendary comedies that I am really a fan of, and I'm glad that they're finally out on Blu-ray, that somebody went and, uh, and dug into somebody's library and got them out. The Hemdale production of Yellowbeard, which I have always found to be really, really incredibly funny. It is not a, uh, a Monty Python film, but it features a lot of Monty Python people. John Cleese is in it. Eric Idle is in it. Graham Chapman is in it. Um, but here's who else is in it. Marty Feldman, Peter Cook, Cheech and Chong, Peter Boyle, uh, Madeline Kahn, James Mason. You know, come on. Give it up. This is, this is funny stuff. And uh, it, it features a great score by John Morris, who, of course, did all the Mel Brooks stuff. Uh, it's funny. It is really, really funny. It is a silly, silly, funny, uh, uh, you know, pirate movie with Graham Chapman as uh, as the, a pirate who was sentenced for uh, put away for tax evasion. I mean, come on. Does it get any more Monty Python than that? 
And then also from the peripheral Monty Python uh, frame is Eric the Viking, E-R-I-K, as in the Nordic spelling of Eric the Viking. I saw this at a comedy film festival along with the, uh, the tall guy. Uh, that was in Las Vegas in association with a very short-lived film market called Cinetex. I was there on a student committee at the time. And I remember thinking this thing is just so funny, especially Tim Robbins in a small part as as one of the Vikings. So incredibly funny. John Cleese is along for the ride here as well. Um, but this is really Terry Jones' uh, ball. Terry Jones wrote and directed this thing. It kind of killed his directing career, uh, to be honest, for the longest time. Uh, but it, it, you know, it does the same thing for Vikings that Yellowbeard does for pirates. It just, it, 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 as they would say in England, it takes the piss out of them. And uh, when the berserker gets going, oh yeah, it's good time comedy. Um, this uh, doesn't have really have any extras, but it's definitely worth picking up. Uh, Eric the Viking and Yellowbeard, both of them, so freaking funny. I can't stand it. And then uh, we also have uh, an interesting new license for uh, Olive, which is this Martini Entertainment. Uh, Essentially, these are mostly Uwe Boll-produced films from Germany. And they're all kind of crappy, and um, I I, I didn't really bother looking at at much of any of them, but some are more interesting than others. So I'll go through these really quickly, just so you know this, because a lot of these are, almost all of them are Uwe Uwe Boll Presents. So don't necessarily blame him. Uh, if they're if they're bad, and don't give him credit if they're any good. Uh, just know that Uwe Boll obviously has a, enough currency to be able to get some films made and released. Uh, the first one is Zombies from Outer Space. Totally self-explanatory. Not exactly what I would consider your typical German film. The next one is uh, Heart of America from uh, 2002, which is uh, actually directed by Uwe Boll, and not terrible, I hate to say, uh, this actually takes place in a uh, in an American high school, and it's you know it's a it's a kind of a blackboard jungle type thing. Uh, the movie Auschwitz, also pr- written, produced, and directed by Uwe Boll, um, pretty terrible. I can't I can't exactly say that this is a uh, that this is the Holocaust film that anybody should see, but you know if you're curious about Uwe Boll's take on a, on a Holocaust film, there it is. Uh, this is one that Uwe did not have anything to do with. Someone else directed this, Peter Platzik. It's called Drawn in Blood. Appears to be uh, more competent than any P. Uwe Boll film, but still in the exploitation realm. Then uh, Planet USA, really a really silly Austrian uh, age, on, age of terrorism. Uh, I, I assume they mean for it to be a, a joke, uh, but it's, it's almost, it's not funny. It's uh, it's really kind of a dumb war on terrorism satire, and it involves a, the idea of a pipeline from the Earth to the Moon that is so absurd it's not even funny. Uh, Beyond Remedy is uh, directed by Gerhard Hross, also pr- uh, a, a, and produced by Uwe Boll, and uh, this is you know a, a, a middling thriller. I watched a, a fraction of it; could certainly tell it wasn't as thrilling as you might hope. And then lastly is a movie called Emancipation, uh, emphasis on man, which is about a group of men who uh, go into a shelter for abused men. Uh, Doesn't really feel like a subject that should be treated in the movies, doesn't feel like a subject that is really all that serious or, uh, or valid. But then again, there is some crackpot group of men who feel like the new Mad Max film is too feminist for them. So, who knows? Who knows what evil lurks in the hearts of men? The shadow knows. Yes. All right, finally, as we wrap out, right, Wade? Yep. Thank you. Um, a couple of foreign I, films when we're done here, but yeah. Date. I know. Thank you. Good for you. <laughs> Fourth date. Good for you. Really? Uh, All right. See what's going on. There. <laughs> I'm not sure yet. Anyway, um, Cut Bank is a film, uh, a Fargo light kind of film with a terrific cast. Uh, and just really cliche, predictable material. Liam Hemsworth, who's one of the Hemsworth uh, sisters, whoever, whoever he is, he um, he just is not. He's too pretty. He just cannot really this, be you, that that you know gritty. Er, that did you gritty see the trailer for this? Guy. Yeah, I mean, well. it, it's it's a it's a it's a it's a great trailer. Like I saw the trailer for this, and I was like, that is going to be a fun film. And then the movie is all kind of disjointed, and it's it's like it, it wants to be a Coen Brothers movie, not, not, but it can't yet. it can't ever sort of get its it can't sort of get up and running the gear. 
beers are aren't oiled. It just doesn't. Nothing's interesting. No, because you know what? Because the the because the Coens also write their own material. Yeah, and their stuff is just obviously not only just visually is a great, but yeah. the plots are twisty and surprising. And this is just really pedestrian, typical stuff. It, it I, I I really do like um, Malkovich in this, uh, but and and Billy Bob Thornton they kind of hold it down. But it, yeah, otherwise it's uh, it's unfortunate. Anyway, uh, we also have a horse camp. Now, Horse Camp, Wade, yes. here's what this is about. It's about a camp, yeah. right? And at this camp, it's horses. Really? At they the do camp. that? Yes. That, that exists. Now, this is, it says right here on the box, it's family approved, which means it's a piece of crap. Because I don't want anything. In fact, here's what I want to do. I want to take copies of Horse Camp, which is family approved, and yeah. sneak in copies of Mad Max Fury Road. Oh, that would be great. And see how long. I would love that. See how long it is before the parents start to freak out. Uh, anyway, Horse, Horse Camp, Camp uh, co-stars uh, Dean Cain, and it's about uh, these kids who spend summer at a camp for girls, and there's horses, and girls love horses. Oh, my God. It's like My Little Pony or whatever. It's hard. Got a couple of Tom Sizemore movies here. Tom Sizemore. That's quality, too. <laughs> He's becoming the bee king. Uh, it's, it's just insane. In one, he's with Vivica Fox and Bai Ling, two other people whose careers have just completely collapsed. It's called Assassin's Game. And in the other one, he's paired with uh, Bernard Curry and Oz Zahavi in a movie called Bordering on Bad Behavior. And uh, in both of these, it, it's just it's you know it's just tough guys and gun stuff. And I'm it's sad because Tom Sizemore he's had he's just sort of. He's gone so far off the deep end. He's had so many brushes with bad brushes with women and the law and everything else. He'll be, he'll be in ten years. He'll be like Gary Busey. Yeah, it's 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 just I don't know why he's I don't know why he can't sort of get a good part, get him get his life on track, and stop making the straight to video stuff. Uh, the second one of these is a, is you know a whole Middle Eastern thing bordering on bad behavior. It's a you know a whole Israeli Secret Service and Lebanese Secret Service thing, and you know guys with guns in the Middle East and uh, Assassin's Game is just about a, a you know a bunch of assassins who screw up at their their latest assignment and uh it, it, everything that you know transpires in the in the wake of that um nothing great here but you know they, they obviously if tom sizemore is your guy you're not going to care uh wade the one film we do have to recommend in this bunch which uh, otherwise is not very good is uh, god help the girl which is kind of a uh, charming little movie it, it's reminiscent of, although not as good as, um, the uh, Carney films, Once and Can a Song Save Your Life. Um, it's a little like that, not as good as that, but God Help the Girl. It's about this, uh, this girl, Emily Browning. She's a songwriter, and she's staying in a mental health facility, and then she winds up leaving, running away to uh, Glasgow, where she meets this, uh, this guy who's a singer-songwriter, and they, they, they have love together. You know, I like this movie. I thought I, I, Wade would like this movie a lot too. I, I I did like it. I thought it's um, you know, it's charming and it's sweet and maybe it's a little twee, but still, it's kind of adorable. And the two have good chemistry together. And the songs aren't as good as the songs in the Carney films, but uh, still, God Help the Girl is uh, kind of nice. If you notice, Wade on the front, it says it's from from uh, a producer, a producer <laughs> of Rushmore and the Royal Tenenbaums. So it's like presents. somehow. <laughs> They they found a cast or crew member who is somehow connected to those other films and put it on the box. Wow. Okay. Fine. Uh, and then we have a couple of foreign films just to uh, tie this out. One is Diplomacy by Volker Schlondorf, which is um, based on it's ba- it's the same event that was uh, centered in the in the film uh, Is Paris Burning, the big all star film from way back when, which is all about what happened in Paris as the Nazis were retreating and the Allies were advancing, and Hitler gave the order to burn the whole city down and blow up everything, and they had prepared to basically destroy the city of Paris. So that they, the world would lose everything. And uh, the commander of, of German forces at the time was persuaded by a Swedish diplomat not to do it. Um, is Paris Burning is, a, is obviously much more based on the novel. It's a much bigger, bigger scale thing. Diplomacy is a two-hander uh, about that conversation. It's just basically that conversation with Niels Aristrup as the, as the German and André Dussolier as the Swede. And uh, that one-night conversation that perhaps changed, could have, it's all speculative, could have changed forever the, uh, the cultural history of France and the rest of the world. Um, it's a good film. This is from Zeitgeist. I wish it were on Blu-ray, uh, even though it's a very small film, because it really is very moodily shot, very dark. Would, it would benefit from higher resolution. 
And then lastly, the uh, cult film Stay As You Are with Marcello Mastroianni and Nastasha Kinski. Uh, if not for those two and the, Mar- the Ennio Morricone score, this would be like softcore. Uh, but yet, it, this is right before she made Tess with uh, Roman Polanski. Cult Epics, who normally releases a lot of uh, really culty Italian stuff, uh, released this. And it's a good Blu-ray. I'm, I'm surprised. It's not like the most pristine thing, but considering the quality that this print was probably in, this is about as good as this is ever going to get. Um, but again, you're, if, you're, if you're watching this, you probably just want to be titillated by Nastasha Kinski. There's not a lot of story here. So Nastasha Kinski and Marcello Mastroianni uh, in Stay As You Are, Così, Come Sei, or Come Sei, if I'm mute, not mutilating the Italian, uh, with a great score by Ennio Morricone. Um, much better film than it really has any business being. And uh, there it is. That's from 1978, just on the verge of legitimacy and tests. And with that, we are done. We will see you next week. Boing!